But this morning we want to look at very specifically raising girls, raising daughters in this era, in this day and time, and in this culture. Many of the passages we will have already looked at. Uh, we've looked at many passages that have dealt with the home, that have dealt with raising children. And so rather than having an opening text this morning, I'm just going to pray and get started. We'll look at the Word of God together as we work through the sermon. But let's just open up with prayer. Amen? Father, we love You. We are so grateful to be able to come and worship You this morning. We pray, God, that as we open up Your Word, God, that You would speak to us. We're grateful that Your Word does indeed speak to us, Lord, about every area of life. And Father, that uh, the principles of Your Word are meant to permeate everything that we do, from the workplace to the home, in all of our relationships. And this morning we pray, God, that You would help us, Lord, to understand how we are to raise daughters, how we are to bring up girls in this culture and help mold them into what You've designed them to be. God, I ask now that You would help me to preach in the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. God, that this would not simply be, God, another forum to talk about parenting, but God, that it would be real, that Your Spirit would speak to us, that I would be speaking spiritual words to spiritual people. God, we ask that You would be lifted up. We pray that we would be changed as a result of coming together today to worship You. God, that You would change us. God, that You would challenge us, that You would equip us, Lord. Have Your way. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Raising girls. This is a difficult topic for me because there's so much to say. And I, I think, where do you even get started? First of all, I have two girls of my own. Uh, one of them is just for the first year in middle school this year. And so I'm starting to transition out of having little girls into having young teenage girls and eventually 17 and 18-year-old girls. And so, we pray for the Lord's return before that. <laughs> Can I tell you that the topic of raising children, period, but I think especially girls um, in this culture, is one that's difficult for us to engage in because uh, it can be threatening. Um, it can be a scary thing. And a lot of times when you're talking about something that could go so wrong, and when you're looking at statistics, uh, it's easier to bury our head in the sand and just kind of hope for the best. But I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, burying our head in the sand and hoping for the best with our kids is an awful way to parent. We've got to be willing to get engaged. We've got to be willing to know what's going on. We've got to find out effective ways to get, to get active and engaged in the lives of our daughters to know what their struggles are, to know how we can help them, to encourage them and equip them to be molded into the ladies that God has designed them to be. One of the things that I find deeply concerning, not just about raising daughters or raising sons, it affects the marriage, is the pace of the culture that we live in. It's so fast-paced that it's very easy to become overwhelmed. And when we have the opportunity to spend real quality time with our kids, to engage our children in their activities, to talk to our daughters about the pressures they face at school. Most of us, especially many of us men, are too tired to do it and we just want to sit and click the, click the remote. But if we are going to help our daughters 
grow into the women that God designed them to be, men and mothers as well, we have got to get engaged in the lives of our kids. Our daughters, number one, they need to see what the family is supposed to be like and in so doing, learn what her special God-given role is for her as a woman, as a mother, and as a wife. That's a long way of simply saying the first thing we've got to do, the first piece of advice I can give you this morning as a pastor about raising up godly daughters and keeping them pure in this day and age is they've got to see it first lived out in the home. If our daughters do not see a healthy relationship lived out in the home, it will be much more difficult. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it will be much more difficult to have meaningful conversation with them because in their mind and in their heart, they're going to say, well, who are you to say? And so it's real important that before we get on the pedestal and start preaching to our kids, that they see it lived out in our lives. If I'm going to try to teach my daughters that they are to be respected, that they are important in the sight of God, that they should never let a man demean them, and that they should, that they should understand they are significant and precious in the eyes of God, if I'm going to teach them that, the first way I'm going to teach them that is by showing their mother that same thing. If I'm tearing their mother down, and I'm cutting their mother down, and I'm not building her up when I'm telling them that, you know, they shouldn't let anybody do that, it just rolls off. It doesn't make any sense at all because what they hear coming out of my mouth doesn't line up with the way I'm living and the way I'm being in the home. So the first thing, and, and, and most important, is what we've looked at over the last several weeks, the home needs to look like it's supposed to look. And again, that doesn't mean that it's perfect. It doesn't mean that it's flawless. It doesn't mean that mom and dad never fight, but it does mean this. That when we do, we have enough integrity to acknowledge it, to ask for forgiveness, to call it what it is, and use it as a teaching moment. That, that son, daughter, even mom or dad's not perfect. And we shouldn't have done that. And please forgive us. We're growing too. You can use it as a teaching moment. But if the home is in chaos and, the, and, and, and there is constantly everything that's, that should not be happening is happening in the home, I hate to, I don't know any other way to tell it to you than straight. There's almost a 0% chance you're going to be able to save your daughter from, from being corrupted throughout her life as she tries to mature into a good, solid woman. There is no more powerful influence in her life than the home. And so, number one, everything that we've already been through this series really needs to be intact so that we are positioned to engage our daughter in some very important things in their life. The greatest thing we can do is live it out in front of them. Although our children will learn a great deal from what we say, they learn much more by watching us. So I asked the question this morning, first of all, Dad, first of all, Mom, what are your children learning from watching you? Now, after seeing it first lived out in our own lives, then we must begin teaching and molding and shaping our daughters. The one thing I want to say before I move on to that point is not only do they need to see us live right, but they need to see us not live wrong. 
Ladies, you remember a few weeks ago we talked about that the danger of comparing yourself to everybody and getting caught in that trap of, 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 of trying to look like this or trying to have your home look like this or trying to be like this family or that family and, and constantly we're, we're trying to put on a, a false front that, that says we've got it all together all the time. We never struggle. We never have problems. Well, you know, we've got it all together in this house. You remember talking about that. If your daughter sees that, and she sees you constantly talking about trying to be like somebody else or comparing yourself to somebody else, she's going to do the same thing all the way through her high school years. And so if we're going to teach them to be strong or we're going to teach them to be confident in who they are, who God created them to be, who God designed them to be, they're going to have to see mothers who are confident in who they are, who God designed them to be, who are constantly chasing on the rat wheel of trying to look what like society says is a successful woman. Now, after they see it lived out, there are a few things your daughter needs to know. And I want to share those with you this morning. Number one, she needs to know that she's valuable. The word valuable can also deal with worth. She needs to know she has worth, that she matters. It can deal with purpose. She needs to know she has a purpose. There is a reason for her that is significant. And ultimately, value, purpose, and worth should lead to her having a voice. In other words, what she says and what she does matters. Now, I want to expand on that a little bit this morning. On point number one, she needs to have worth. Look what Psalm chapter 139, verses 13 through 14 tell us. For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Here's what you need to know, number one. And it's not just that you girls need to know this. I'm telling you, the women of our culture need to get a hold of it too. You are fearfully and wonderfully made by God Himself. And that defines your worth, period. You are significant and you matter and you have purpose because the God of heaven and earth created you. As a female, you are important because God looked at His creation and said, everything's good except this. He needs a helper. And when God said something wasn't good and we need a solution to it, His solution was woman. That is significant. And here's the reality. You will either determine your significance, your purpose, and your worth based upon what God says about you or you're going you're, you're, you're to determine your worth and your value and your purpose based upon what the culture tells us is valuable and worth. And here's the danger about letting the culture dictate to us what is valuable. Our culture has gone nuts. It's lost its mind. Not only is it morally wrong in what is worth and what is value, our culture has lost its mind so much that we have created a picture of what value and worth look like that's not even attainable. What do I mean by that? You realize that most of our celebrities, follow me for a little bit, and I'll get back to your daughters, but our daughters see this stuff. 
They see celebrities. You know, most of our celebrities, they're, fo- they're, they're now photoshopped. I thought about showing you a handful of pictures side by side of, of the actual photo and then the photoshop. Just to make the point. Not only are they photoshopped in magazines, there's something they've started doing recently in the last few years. I, I don't know the exact term for it, but stars like Jennifer Lawrence of the uh, Hunger Games, um, she's the star of that. Um, uh, who plays Iron Man? Robert Downey Jr. Big name stars have, have sat down and what they will do after the film is filmed After it's done, they will sit down for hours upon hours watching the film with somebody that photoshopped the film, and they will actually photoshop the film after it's made, getting rid of every blemish, everything that didn't look right, everything that they thought could could possibly present a better image. And then the show goes to final phase, and it goes out for what we see with our eyes. Why am I bringing this up? I just want you to think about it. If even our stars and even our celebrities don't look good enough as they are that they have to be photoshopped, we have lost our minds. We have painted a picture of what success and beauty and, 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 and worth and value look like that's not even, it's not even attainable. It can't even be done. And if we're not careful, we'll buy into this mentality that this is what success looks like. This is what, if you want to be a a woman of value, if you want to be a woman that is is liked, if you want to be a woman that's ever... Uh, that, that's ever anyone's ever going to be attracted to, that's ever going to have any significance in society, that's ever going to be uh, successful in business. If you're if you're going to be anything, here's what you've got to do and accomplish, and it's not even possible. This is a dangerous, dangerous trap that we have to understand. Our daughters are facing, especially if your daughters do social media, if they go to school if they watch television, this is the persona of the woman that, that has, been, has been thrown at us. Oh, I can't even get everything I have to say out in another 20 minutes. I'm just going to ramble today. The best that I can ramble. Without explaining myself, I'm just going to make some statements. See, I believe that it's an attack of the devil to destroy the... Uh, self-worth and significance of ladies by slowly taking us to a place where what they are to attain is not even attainable. And if you're constantly trying to attain something that's not attainable, what happens? You start to feel like a failure. And I think it's no wonder that while we talked about boys last week and we talked about how our, our, our boys are angry and how 95% of violent crimes of teens are done by boys... 20% of all violent crimes in this country are done by boys 17 and younger. While our boys are angry and frustrated, our, our, our girls are becoming depressed and feeling worthless and they have no value and they're constantly trying to go after something that's not attainable. And what's worse, they're comparing themselves to something that's not even real. 
So, this is part of the culture our girls are being raised up in. Mom and Dad, we have got to get in the middle of it and we've got to get real with our kids. Number one, our daughters need to know your value is not determined by what some tabloid says. And number two, we need to have these talks with our kids that, hey, listen, that's not even real. I'll prove it to you. It's not real. And let's talk to them. Let's engage them about why is the culture going so crazy this direction and don't get sucked up into this vacuum that's so hard to get out of. They need to know, our daughters need to know that they're valuable, that that they have purpose. They need to be taught not to compare themselves to other girls. And certainly not to compare themselves to the false image of success that this culture puts on the screen. We have to be careful with the over-sexualization of this culture. You need to be careful what your daughters watch. This is where, you know, the argument is, you know, how how much do you shield them? And, And if all their friends are doing it, I don't want her to feel like, you know, that, that, that she, she's not like everybody else. Well, we need to do a better job of letting them know it's okay to not be like everybody else. It's okay. Mom and dad aren't like everybody else. But you know what? There's a lot of people, and that's one of the reasons I believe church is so important, brothers and sisters. You can bring your daughters and your sons to this place and say, look around. There's other people that live like we do. The devil wants you to think you're the only person in the world that has to live this way. You're the only person in the world whose whose parents have a standard of holiness and have a standard of righteousness and who believe what God says. No, that's not true. You can tell your kids, look around. But it's okay to be different. I think the problem is is when we communicate just because I said so. Now, there's an age for that, like, you know, little... But when, when they're in a culture that's telling them you're wrong and you don't explain why, eventually you're going to lose that fight. Now, the ultimate decision in the house is mom and dad. This is our house. We pay the bills. You live here. You don't have a say-so in some of this stuff. When we say no, the answer is no. But we have a responsibility, parents, to engage and make a conversation out of that and explain why. Here's why. We don't do these things. Here's why the culture at large is running this direction. But but let's let's talk to them about these things and engage them and let them know that ultimately her value and her worth comes from the fact that she's loved by God. And I believe one of the ways that our kids learn that is by finding that their value and their worth also comes from us. Let me explain what I mean by that. Our children, our daughters, especially our daughters who are fighting off this constant lie of success is, is all about you know, being a size one and, and having a $100,000 a year career. And if you can accomplish both those things, then you'll be successful. If our daughters know that we love them and that we are invested in them and that we find them to be incredibly important and significant, and they truly get that from mom and dad, then when they begin to hear us tell them God 
sees them as significant. They were created by God. They were fearfully, wonderfully made. God has a plan for their life. They've got mom and dad telling them they're important. They understand God's telling them they're important. They've got mom and dad engaged trying to remind them that, listen, girls, this culture is full of lies. It's going to try to tell you you've got to be this and you've got to be that to be successful. Don't get caught on that trap. It's all false. Then maybe they begin to see that truly they have worth and purpose and value that is not related to this culture. Not only do they need to have worth, purpose, and value, they also, your daughter needs to know that she's loved. Your daughter needs to know she is loved. Now I know that sounds like a real simple thing. Men, how often do you tell your daughters you love them? You know, we talked about this a few weeks ago as we talked about husbands and wives. You remember in Ephesians chapter 5, the Word of God commanded men to love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for her. If God commands us to love our wives, then certainly we need to love our daughters. Most young women who give themselves away before marriage, most, not all, but most will tell you they were searching for love. I asked the question, why? Why was she searching for love? Where was she not getting it that made her feel she needed to obtain love by compromising her value? And the answer, in the home. She hasn't been taught her self-worth and value. She hasn't been... And, and, and love comes through what, guys? It, it's not just simply saying. Do we need to say? Yes, we need to say. But love comes through investing time. It comes through listening. You ever felt like anybody loved you that wouldn't listen to you? One of the important things that we can do as parents is learn to sit down and love our daughters. And we do that by listening. We do that by engaging Sometimes it's awkward engaging my daughters. I don't know why, but they don't think Dad's the coolest guy in the world. I am. I don't. They just don't see it. I don't, you know, I don't understand. But if we're not careful, we'll let the awkwardness keep us from engaging in conversations that could save their life. I've learned that sometimes, as awkward as it is, my daughters like the conversations we have a whole lot more than they lead on. It's awkward for them too, so they act like they don't like it. But I later find out they're grateful for the conversation. Do you know your daughter's top three friends by name? Do you know the problems your daughter faces at her school? Could you name the top two or three things that they have a difficulty with? Do you know the top two or three things they enjoy at their school? And if not, why not? When we are disengaged from our own children, 
it sends a message that we're not interested. And when we send the message we're not interested, it ultimately sends a message you're not loved. Moms and dads, we have got to be engaged. Now, I think this is important from the time our kids are little. I think what I'm telling you right now becomes crucial once they begin to move into their teenage years. Once they begin to try to find out, who am I? Who am I as a person? Who am I going to become as I mature and grow up? She needs to know that she's loved. She needs to be loved by her parents. She also needs to understand, ultimately, she's loved by God. Titus chapter 3 tells us that, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we have done, but because of His mercy, because He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches us that God loves us because God is good, and that His love is based upon His mercy and His grace, and that we do not earn it. Listen, Young lady, if you have to earn it, it's not love. If you have to compromise yourself to earn it, it's not love. And your daughters need to know that. Our daughters need to know real love is given freely. And real love is selfless. That's what real love is. And they need to know God loves them that way. That when somebody tries to treat you a way you don't deserve to be treated, and they need to know what's going to happen. You will be treated ways you don't deserve to be treated. You will have boys that try to make you feel a certain way. You will have girls that try to make you feel like you're not worth of anything. And, and you will have people in your life that try to make you feel like you're not loved. But daughter, you have to know it's going to come. You've got to be prepared for it. You need to know it's not true. We love you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God loves you with a perfect love. You see, we have to begin to train our kids, especially when they start thinking. We have to begin to train them how to renew their minds, how to protect their minds. The same way that we do as adults. The Word of God tells us to take every thought captive. We have to train our daughters to know you're going to have to take thoughts captive. There's a world out here that's trying to get you to think a certain way and believe a certain way. And it's false. It's not true. Your worth and your value are not determined in just how you look. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You are loved. You don't have to do anything. You are loved as you are. God loves you. And I, your Father, I love you. Your mother loves you. Don't let anybody tell you you're not loved and don't let anybody tell you you're not worth loving. I'm telling you, parents, if we stick our heads in the sand and don't realize all the, the influence that's thrown at our children and we just hope that they just shake it off and we don't teach them how to shake it off. We don't teach them how to take that thought captive and get that thing out of there and stand strong in who God says you are. They are going to fail on the battlefield. And the awful truth is that so many of them are. She needs to know, number one, she needs to have value. Number two, she needs to be loved. Number three, she needs to know that her position of value and her position of being loved is safe and secure. And that there's nothing she could do 
to diminish that. She needs to know that even if she fails, I'm still going to love her. Even if she falls on her face and makes a mistake, she's still valuable, she's still worth, God still fearfully and wonderfully made her, God still loves her with a perfect love. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 tells us, I'm confident that he who began a good work in you will accomplish it. He will finish it. She needs to know that. She needs to feel safe in that no matter what comes my way, I'm always going to be valuable. I'm always going to be loved. And God's going to finish what He started in my life. Ultimately, Dad, ultimately, Mom, we've got to do what Deuteronomy chapter 6 talked about, and that is be relentless about teaching our daughters the principles of God. Keeping their eyes on Jesus. Keeping their eyes on their purpose. And finally, she needs to know that all of this world will try to steal away from her. Her cause, her purpose, the fact that she's loved. And this world will try to get her to question it all. There is a war a real war on women. And it's not the Republican Party. It's not the Democratic Party either. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. There is a war against women in this culture. It is a war to diminish their value. It is a war to turn them into nothing but symbols. And it's no wonder, if you didn't get a chance to listen to the two, sermon, the two sermons on women and God's Word to women, I encourage you to pick it up because I can't go over it all again. But it is no wonder that women face such pressures and are going through and, and, and experiencing depression in, in volumes that was never before in the rest of the time of history because the pressure that's placed on ladies these today, today it's just not possible. We're photoshopping them now. How stupid is that? How did we get there as a culture that we're photoshopping our celebrities? When did their best not be enough? What is wrong with us? And now my question to us as parents. Knowing our daughters are being brought up in these times. We've got to be engaged. The most awful thing you could do for your daughter is to not be involved in her life, not know the things that she's facing, not be communicating with her, and just hope she's going to make it. Because, guys, it is a war out there. A lot of times we don't engage in conversations because they're hard, they're awkward. Imagine sending a soldier out into war. No training. You didn't tell him what to expect. You didn't tell him how the enemy attacks. You didn't tell him they've got bombs they're going to drop. You didn't tell him they have guns they're going to shoot. But the reality is, hey, once it happens, he's going to find out. It is hard to live out there, and he'll figure it out. And you just send him into war. Chances are he's going to die. And if he doesn't die, he's going to hate you for not telling him that bombs were coming. And he's going to get hurt. You've got to prepare somebody before you send them into war. You've got to tell them what to expect. 
And I believe if we learn to have these conversations with our children up front, it's incredibly helpful. I think it's easier for them to believe that we know what we're talking about when we tell them before it happens and we do it in a loving conversation. I think about Jesus telling his disciples to go to a city and there you're going to find a colt tied between two roads and tell the owner that, the, that, that I want it. And imagine those two disciples walking and boom, there it is, the colt tied. Right like Jesus said, in the same position that Jesus said, on a post where two roads meet. I don't know about you, but I would be thinking, that guy knows stuff I don't know. Wow. I'm sure they thought that. You see, the same can be true of our daughters and our sons if we're willing to have these conversations ahead of time. One of the worst ways of dealing with stuff is on the back end. After somebody's been hurt, after somebody's been wounded, after somebody's been exposed to something they shouldn't have been exposed to, you've got to, guys, parents, we've got to get our head out of the sand. We've got to engage this thing and say, let's deal with this. I took my daughter when she turned 12. She was getting ready to go into sixth grade. And I took her out and I just spent about three hours with her. And I talked to her about life. I told her things were about to change. That what she knew as a little girl and the pressure she faced as a little girl were soon going to kind of fade into the background. She's going to begin to face new pressures. And I talked to her about the reality that I couldn't be there all the time and I couldn't make her make the right choices. And it just wasn't possible for us to shelter her all of her life from that until she, she got old. And that she was going to have to decide if she was going to be a leader or a follower. I talked to her about followers and I talked to her about why most people follow and why why people are afraid to stand up and how a lot of times you might have ten kids and seven of them don't want to do something, but two or three of them are just so... They just they know how to influence the crowd. And a lot of times it just takes one person that's willing to stand up and be a leader. And I told her that when she begins to face those things, I won't be able to be there to help her. She's going to have to decide who she is as a woman, as a young lady growing up and maturing. I talked to her about some of the pressures, the peer pressure, and things that she began to face as she became a teen. And I'm confident that 90% of what I talked to her about, she had no idea about and, didn't, and hadn't faced it ever. But I did it on purpose. Not because she was facing it now, but because when she does face it, I want her to remember Dad knew this was going to happen. My dad knows what he's talking about. He told me this is what it would happen. This is exactly how it happened. He told me how to handle it. And I wanted to be able to open and engage that conversation with her before. It was awkward. It was a weird conversation that I wish I could have paid you to have with her. But you know what? There's one voice you really need to hear it from. It wasn't you. It was me. She's my daughter, not yours. It's my responsibility, not yours. The last thing I want to tell you today, especially if you have teens, in some of my studies on this particular sermon, I found something um, incredible. And for lack of time, I'm not going to read you the entire article. 
they found that parents who fight with their kids, and fight was the word that they used, like yelling, fighting, the, the kid being disrespectful and runs to a room and, and is mad, they found that teenagers who argue with their parents are at much greater percentage of um, battling peer pressure. When parents and kids fight, the kids who have fights with their parents and roll their eyes at their parents, talk back to their parents, act like, you know, they ain't listening to nothing they have to say, that when the rubber hits the road and it really is a peer pressure situation, that those kids generally fare much better. So don't think that just because your kids roll their eyes that they're not listening. And one of the things that they suggested was that you're actually helping your kids learn how to have communication where they disagree with people they love. And that they're practicing. Amen. I got a hallelujah out of that one. But they're practicing in a safe situation what it looks like when two people can't agree. See, that's peer pressure. And while they might act like kids because they are kids, they're learning who's the stronger one and who won. I did. And I did it with respect. And I did it with love. And the reason I said no or the reason I said we're doing this is because I want what's best for our family and I want what's best for you. And when they watch that and they experience that in real-life conversation with mom and dad, it begins to play itself out in real-life conversation with their peers. And so if you've got a teen that just doesn't seem to act like she cares what you're saying or isn't listening, don't get discouraged, mom or dad. You keep being mom and dad. You keep leading them. You keep speaking truth to them because it does make a difference. We need to be willing to pray with our daughters. We need to be willing to pray for our daughters. Finally, I'm going to ask our worship team to come and just sing a closing song. I want to tell you the same thing I told you about your sons. Proverbs 22 and verse 6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. He will not depart from it. Guys, we've got to train our daughters. Nobody likes to be told what to do. But if you're going to show me, and you're going to train me, and we're going to do this thing together, I might learn something. We can't just be dictators standing on a pedestal telling our, daughter, our daughters how to live and telling our daughters how to choose their friends and telling our daughters what and what not to watch and, and how to live and how not to live. We've got to be training them. That means coming alongside of them and doing this thing together. We've got to learn to to build purpose and value into them by continuously speaking to them about their value, about their purpose, about their significance, about the reality that God has fearfully and wonderfully made them, that He has a design for their life. They've got to know that they're loved, that we love them, that God loves them, and that their love is not earned. It's not something that can be lost because they make a mistake. They need us to go to bat for them. 
I don't always like standing in the front and taking all the brunt of the criticism for maybe not doing it the way my daughters think I should. But I've got to have a, a big enough uh, belief in God and belief in the truth that I can stand and say, I'm going to protect this family. I'm not going to let the current of culture dictate to us where the line in the sand is. No, God's Word will do that. And I'm going to lead my family through. And I thank God for families like you that are standing shoulder to shoulder with our family and teaching my girls, we're not the only ones in the world that live this way. We're not the only people in the world that believe in the Word of God and that believe that we need to live the way this book says and believe that God watches and sees what we do and He loves us and He's with us and He's for us. There's a lot of other people like us. It really is as simple as being engaged. And engaged specifically in these things. It's so easy to become disengaged. It's so easy to, to stop doing the things that we know we're supposed to do because we're busy. We've got to push through that. And we've got to raise up our girls. Amen? Father, I love You. I thank You for Your Word. God, I pray that You would help us to be families, God, that are strong. God, help us to raise our sons and daughters to grow up and to mature into good, solid, strong men and women of God. Have Your way with us, Lord. Have Your way with our kids. We pray Your protection upon them. We pray, God, that You give us wisdom, Lord. Wisdom how to be husbands and wives and fathers and mothers. Wisdom how to raise up boys. Wisdom how to raise up girls. God, may we turn their eyes to You and where real purpose and value and love come from.